0: Numbers chapter 19, and this is one of those that once again, just like what we've been talking about, God really cares about daily life, even after we go through difficult seasons. So we're going to talk about that today. Before we do that, as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure that if you're watching this on YouTube, you like this video, you share this, you share it with people, make sure you subscribe to the channel, like 60 something percent of everybody who watches those is not subscribed to the channel. So make sure that you are so that it helps kind of the algorithm thing. And if you are listening to this podcast, make sure that you are giving us a five-star rating on iTunes because it really does help us get the information out there. And most importantly, I want you to go to Facebook. And I want you to go to the search engine and type in Bible Breakdown Discussion. And I would love to hear from you some of the takeaways that you're getting from this. Are there questions that we're leaving unanswered? The more we dig, the more we find. And I would love to know how you are interacting with this. I would love to, just the idea of building a community that is surrounding with reading God's word together. Okay, let's get into Numbers chapter 19. Now, remember where we are. The book of Numbers begins where Exodus left off. They have got the word of God, they've got the covenant of God from Mount Sinai, and then they head out going to the Promised Land. I mean, it's going to be a short trip, just a couple of weeks. It would, you know, it, would, it wouldn't take that long to get to, you know, the other side of the wilderness where they would actually have um, the uh, Jordan River is kind of the dividing line between where they are and the promised land. And they get about halfway there. And on the way, they send some scouts ahead, not to see if it's okay, but just to give them a lay of the land. Well, unfortunately, the scouts come back, and 10 out of 12 of them say, No way. It's not going to happen. And so instead of trusting the Lord, the nation of Israel decides they're not going to. And in chapter 16, we get to see just, I'm talking about chaos ensue. They're not going to go in, they don't want to go in. Finally, God says, Okay you have it your way. Well, then they change their mind. Say, no, we are going to go in. God's like, no, no, that's not how this works. And so just, just chaos, just devastation, just judgment, all the things. And then it gets awkward, right? Because now they got to head back toward Mount Sinai. They're going to be stuck in the wilderness. And this is the last chapter. This is the last chapter before we just don't hear anything from them for 39 more years. And so right before we go into this period of silence, God is still working in their life. Last week, or excuse me, not last week, yesterday, we talked about all these different things. How God is telling the Levites, hey, this is how you're going to continue to advocate for the nation of Israel in front of me. And then there's one more thing. It's just like God is drilling down on the basic necessities. And if I could title this entire chapter, it would be God cares about daily life. God cares about daily life. And remember, the whole scope of the book of Numbers is teaching this rebellious nation how to trust in God. Because when they go across the Jordan River and they take this land, they're going to have to trust the Lord. And so this is the last thing we're going to hear from them, where God has given them one more piece of instruction before they just fade off into the distance. And they're going to be traveling for 39 years. So here's the last thing he says to them. So if you've got your NLT Bible open Numbers chapter 19, you got your cup of coffee ready, ready to go. Let's read this together about the water of purification. So once again, God just, he's interested in the little things. Here we go. Verse one, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, here is another legal requirement commanded by the Lord. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer, a perfect animal that has no defects and has never been yoked to a plow. Give it to Eleazar the priest, and it will be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. Eleazar would take some of its blood on his finger and sprinkle it seven times toward the tabernacle. As Eleazar watches, the heifer (laughs) must be burned, its hides, meat, blood, and dung. Eleazar the priest must then take a stick of cedar, a hyssop branch, and some scarlet yarn, and throw them into the fire where the heifer is burning. Then the priest must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. Afterward, he may return to the camp, though he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. The man who burns the animal must also wash his clothes and bathe himself in water, and he too will remain unclean until evening. Then someone who is ceremonially clean will gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them in a purified place outside the camp they will be kept there for the community of Israel to use in the water for purification ceremony. This ceremony will be performed for the removal of sin. The man who gathers up the ashes of the heifer must also wash his clothes and he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel and any foreigners who live among them. Now pause for just a moment. If you're involved in any way in understanding some things surrounding the Jewish nation and all of this, when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the nation of Israel was scattered all over the known world. And it wasn't until 1949, after World War II and the Holocaust... The nation of Israel said, "Hey, we have got to come back together again for our own protection and safety," and because of everything that happened in the Holocaust, the world just rallied around the nation of Israel and was just almost unanimously like in favor of them having their own nation. And then at one point, there were certain zealots who wanted to rebuild the temple, reinstitute uh, the the sacrifice and worship, because you remember, if they're not Christians. They don't believe that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Then they believe that once they rebuild the temple, they need to reinstitute sacrificial law. Well, one of the things that has stood in the way, I mean, there's a lot of things that stand in the way. One of the things that stands in the way is the ability to offer proper sacrifices. Now, if you look at a lot of the things in the book of Leviticus, there's a lot of things they have. They have goats, they have bulls, they have flour, they have all this other stuff. Well, was this very specific type of cow, a red heifer that they would need in order to do the purification ceremony. And as you can tell, part of the purification ceremony was for forgiveness of sins. Well, here's the problem. They didn't have any red heifers. Whatever this type of cow was had all but been extinct from the area. And they just they, they didn't have it. They weren't exactly sure what it was. And so they did a lot of research. And one of the things that a lot of the people, the Judea, uh, Jewish people would say is, they know that Messiah was ready to come when they were able to offer sacrifices again. Well, if you keep up with such things, about 10 years ago, there was a massive uproar because in the nation of Israel, they were able to figure out what this red heifer was supposed to be, and they were able to do these different types of breeding and all these different kinds of stuff, and it took several different generations of cattle. But finally, they were able to produce a red heifer without spot and without blemish. And a lot of people got really, really excited because they were saying, now we have everything in place for us to begin offering sacrifices in the temple. And so for a little while, there was a lot of uh, expectation about what they were going to do. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you if they were ever tried to build the temple again, we would immediately have World War III because right now, the uh, I think it is the second holiest site in the Islamic world is called uh, the Dome of the Rock and it sits right where the temple is supposed to be. So they would have to destroy that. We immediately get half of the Middle East or three-fourths of the Middle East uh, at war. But what's amazing is is that they spent years trying to get this red heifer where they could have one without spot or blemish so they could sacrifice it. We know Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, but that's how committed the Jewish nation is to picking back up on this, and this is the reason why. So if you've ever heard Ashes of the Red Heifer before, it's from this chapter where they wanted to be able to offer sacrifices again. Okay, all right, back to verse 11. The Bible says, all those who touched a Who touch a dead human body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. They must purify themselves on the third day and seven days with water of purification. They will then be purified. But if they do not do this on the third and the seventh days, they will continue to be unclean even after the seventh day. All those who touch a dead body and do not purify themselves in the proper way defile the Lord's tabernacle and will be cut off from the community of Israel. Since the water of purification was not sprinkled on them, their defilement continues. This is the ritual law that applies when someone dies inside a tent. All those who enter that tent and those who are inside the tent, when the death occurred will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Any open container in the tent that was not covered with a lid is also defiled. And if someone in an open field touches the corpse and someone who is killed with a sword or has died a natural death or someone who touches a human bone or a grave, that person will be defiled for seven days. To remove the defilement, put some of the ashes from the burnt offering or burnt purification uh, opening in a jar, <laughs> offering in a jar, and pour fresh water over it. Then, someone who is ceremonially clean must take a hyssop branch and dip it into the water. That person must sprinkle the water on the tent, on all the furnishings in the tent, and on the people who are in the tent. Also, on the person who touched a human bone, or touched someone who is killed or died naturally or touched a grave. On the third day, in the seven days, the person who is ceremonially clean must sprinkle the water on those who are defiled. Then, on the seventh day, the people being cleansed must wash their clothes and bathe themselves, and that evening they will be cleansed from their defilement. But those who become defiled and do not purify themselves will be cut off from the community, for they have defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. Since the water of purification has not been sprinkled on them, they remain defiled. This is a permanent law for the people. Those who sprinkle the water of purification must afterward wash their clothes, and anyone who then touches water used for purification will remain defiled until evening." Anything and anyone that a defiled person touches will be ceremonially unclean until evening. Now, the reason why God is doing this is because from here on, they are going to spend the next 39 years wandering through the wilderness. And if you remember, God's judgment was none of the nation, uh, the adults living now, will enter into the promised land. So for 39 years, people are going to die. And he is trying to tell them in daily life, you're going to experience death, and I want to teach you how to deal with it so that you can prepare for what's next and That's sad, but at the same time, even in the midst of judgment, God is still being faithful to his people and I love that this is one of those moments that just teach me how to trust the Lord, and that is this: sometimes bad things happen to good people sometimes sometimes bad things happen because of mistakes that I've made in my life, sin that I have made in my life. But what I love about God is even when I do bad things, he doesn't give up on me. And sometimes the darkness I walk through is a darkness of my own making, but he doesn't leave me. He still walks with me along the way. And so even though the nation of Israel is about to enter into 39 years of difficulty, God says, I'm still going to go with you. Here is how you continue to trust in me. And I love that. It brings me a sense of joy that even when I mess up, he doesn't give up on me. I want to know down in the comments below, what did you get out of this chapter today? You know, as we get ready to you know, kind of make a massive time jump, I'm curious, how is the book of Numbers so far teaching all of us how to trust in the Lord more? I want to know what that is down in the comments below. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to read the scripture today and we'll be done for today. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much that sometimes bad things happen to good people, but many times bad things happen because of bad decisions I've made. And what I love is that you still walk with me every step of the way. I pray you will help me find joy in the journey and that as I walk through difficult seasons to remember that you're with me in all things. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. God's word says in Numbers 6, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for Numbers chapter 20.